Welcome to our After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Thirsty Scholars Partnership. Our podcast is here to help teachers and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. If you work in education and looking to improve or develop your skills, then this podcast is here to help you. Welcome back to the After the Bell podcast brought to you by Thirsty Scholars Partnership. Georgie McIntyre here, Director of Learning Development for the Classroom Partnership, and we're returning to focus on a new series of podcasts. I'm joined today by Helen Morgan, a previous head of school, and Andy Bridge, current deputy principal. This is the third in our latest series of brand new podcasts aimed at early career teachers and their mentors. Launched nationally in 2021 after a regional pilot, the Early Career Framework represents a significant change in support and induction programme for teachers following their ITT, and it forms a key part of the government's teacher recruitment and retention strategy, aiming to ensure all teachers are provided with high quality training opportunities throughout their career. In this series, we're exploring the ECF, the research underpinning it, and consider the practical implications for early career teachers. So in our last podcast, we explored what makes a great mentor. And today we're focusing on expectations and asking how high our expectations should be. As teachers, we know our students' behaviour and progress is influenced by what our expectations of them are. We're role models and communicating our expectations is crucial in influencing students to behave well, make academic progress and generally have a high level of well-being. So today we're going to explore what high expectations in the classroom look like and consider strategies that early career teachers can use to embed in their practice. So let's start by asking uh, Helen, what do we mean by high expectations? And Andy, also, you've probably got some thoughts on this. High expectations, um, we talk about it a lot in schools, and I always think it's one of those slippery terms where we don't always pin down what we actually mean by it. Um, But, you know, if we think about expectations, an expectation is a strong belief that something will happen. Mm-hmm. So it's that strong belief that academically students will achieve well in terms yeah. of behaviour. It's a strong belief that students will behave well um, and behave in a way that actually supports their learning. And I suppose it's a, a strong belief that, you know, we need to develop the whole child, um, not just their academic ability, but also developing them as a person so that actually what we do is we we send them off into the world um, as you know good citizens who can make a really positive contribution to to their community and the wider community as well and if we take that a a step further you know for me um, you know I'm a a minor's daughter Um, I was brought up by two you know two parents um, in a mining community in the northeast, and it's about breaking that cycle of, of disadvantage. If we don't have high expectations of all students, then ultimately what we do is we 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 serve or serve to perpetuate, um, you know, that low expectation, and we don't really kind of promote that idea that all children are are really capable. Um, so I think for me. High expectations is a, a strong belief that all children 
you know, can do really, really well, both pastorally and academically. Um, Andy, I don't know whether you you have a kind of a, a view on that. Yeah, I, I was just interested in uh, the little opening that you gave there about how um, it can be a bit of a slippery term or a little bit vague, like what, you know, what is high expectations? I think that's something for um, an early career teacher and a mentor to really sit and invest some time in like what is this going to look like in your classroom because if we just talk about high expectations like what what my interpretation of what that means might be quite different than yours Helen or what my mentors is or what school leaders and like unless we're very clear about what it is that this high expectations looks like it's maybe quite hard to get to that point where it's really well embedded unless we've got that shared definition. Yeah. And, and I think you can take your your whole school community sort of expectations, behaviour, tolerance, all those sort of words that we use. But it's about the the entire child, isn't it? It's it's a, a pastoral expectation as well. Um, so um, where do, where do we see this fitting into the early career framework, Andy? Yeah, I think, it, you know, it builds nicely on that idea of this um, shared definition. So I think one of the strength of the early career framework um, is that, uh, you know, as you read through the document, each strand is split into these learn that statements and learn how statements, uh, sorry, learn how to statements. So the learn that statements, they're kind of informed by educational research, references, there's further reading provided so that early career teachers and mentors can dip into that research, really engage with the research and know that they're not just discussing like high expectations as some kind of vague slightly woolly made up concept they're looking at actually what does the international research say this should look like um, so that's the learn that statements and then the learn how to um, it, it's really practical guidance so it, it does look at research but it's wider than that it's um, you know additional guidance from expert practitioners from teachers from highly effective school leaders about how to actually implement that in your classroom so I think that's the, the first thing to say where it fits into the ECF is the learn that and the learn how to statements mm-hmm. uh, being a great kind of basis and you know it links to teacher standard one that that belief that all students regardless of their background their additional learning needs their um you know their challenges believing that all of those students can learn really well can achieve um and can behave mm-hmm. you know it's fundamentally in, interlinked with that you know the teacher standard so it's about culture setting the bar high um, and actually understanding that if we have low expectations of our students, that's not just going to affect them in our classroom. You know, as kind of scary as it sounds in terms of the accountability and you, like if we've got low expectations of children when they're in school, we're almost setting them up for a kind of lifetime of failure. Whereas we know that um, the reverse is true. If we've got really high expectations of students in school and we don't waver from those expectations, actually we're setting them up, um, you know, for, for long-term success. Yeah. Helen? I think that really kind of fits as well with, you know, kind of what we know from neuroscience, which is, you know, lots of the research tells us that the the brain now is infinitely plastic and that students are capable of way more than we perhaps ever thought possible. And, you know, what, what we do know, like Andy said, is, you know, if you think about students with additional needs some students might take longer to get there they might need more support to get there but actually they can get there over time with the right support if we have that high expectation of them whether that be academically um, or 
behaviourally and certainly they'll, they'll get a lot further than perhaps we, we thought they ever could if we maintain that belief in the fact that they, they can do it. Um, and, you know, it, it's really interesting, isn't it, that belief um, and efficacy, you know, that belief that you can make a difference is, is absolutely critical um, for teachers, particularly early career teachers. You know, setting that out from the very beginning um, is critical because when you go into schools and they're like, oh, you'll never do that or that's a waste of time. We, we've written students off before we've even started. Mm-hmm. And actually, you've got, you know, every individual's got their own set of standards as well as, as a person and as a role model and, and actually not have being peer pressured or, or feeling that you need to adjust or waver those as well you know you you know how you want to dress and turn up for work and and how you want to represent yourself as a role model and and you know and as an early career teacher it it's great to also have your own identity as well but but know the boundaries and the barriers and they can often be quite challenging so how can early career teachers and teachers set up high expectations I think um, for me, you, your main method is recognising that actually within your classroom, you're the role model, um, mm-hmm. so demonstrating high expectations of yourself and making sure that um, you model to to students what you expect of them. Um, so role modelling, I'd say shared values, establishing um, as a class, what is it that you're aiming for? Um, what's the work ethic going to be in your classroom? How are you going to respond when you've got challenges? Um, and I think you know, like, as we've said so many times, teaching's hard, it can be draining, you can be exhausted, um, and you might have some really difficult classes um, that at times it might be just tempting to think, you know what, I'm just going to settle, I'm just going to accept that what they're doing is okay. But actually, if we never settle for mediocre, if we constantly stretch, constantly challenge, constantly push, all the while putting in the support, we're not just kind of saying, We've got these high expectations and the students need to get there without any support of course we've got to put in the support but if we make sure that we never ever settle for that mediocre never settle for them doing something average rather than doing their best um then that becomes embedded as your culture and then that becomes the norm that everybody's striving for it's the respect piece as well that's the word that keeps coming up to to me it's self-respect and it's also a respectful environment respectful culture that you're building within your classroom isn't it Helen yeah and I think it's you know with with high expectations you expect students to to Mm self-regulate um because they understand what the expectation is and they can you know modify their behaviors to meet that expectation I think it's really interesting, you know, you asked the question, how do they do it? And Andy said, you know, about role modelling. And I was in a school recently where they talked about teachers being real models rather than role models because they're they're the person in front of the child or the student who is doing it every day. And I think, you know, if, if you're um, familiar with Tom Sherrington's walkthrough books, he talks a lot about um, in in that book with um, Ollie um, Caviglioli about um, how do, how do, how do teachers establish expectations, and they give a five step approach. The first one seems really obvious, um, but it's decide what your expectations are, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that a mentor can do with an early career teacher 
actually pin down what those expectations are. The second step is decide how you're going to communicate them to your classes and make sure that you do that. Then it's about reinforcing them and, you know, redirecting, correcting, challenging where need, need be. And I think the hard bit, um, particularly as an early career teacher, is about sustaining those expectations, so not letting them slip. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, even when it gets tough. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, well, yeah, you need to. Andy? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting model. The, the bit I'd pick out in there um, is that second bit, once you've decided then how you're going to communicate them. And I, I went and um, visited a, a really successful, outstanding school in a very challenging community that kind of achieves phenomenal results for their students to get a fantastic deal by going to that school. And one of the things that really struck me as I spent the day there was that they don't just communicate their expectations, but they over communicate them. It, it's kind of a constant messaging, constant bombardment of what the expectations are and how high um, the expectations are. Um, it, even to the extent um, it was kind of written on one of the walls um, that these students are the hardest working students in that city. Um, and I, I just thought it's so powerful because students respond to what we expect of them. Um, mm -hmm. You know, having your expectations sky high and constantly reminding students of that is just so powerful and I think it's important to not just think that we communicate things but actually go that extra mile and over communicate them say them more times than you possibly think that you could need to to ensure that every single person in your classroom in your year group in your school is crystal clear on what those expectations are. It's the routine as well Andy isn't it so it's like this is as I start my class and and yeah the the children and the student also then get to know um they're going to go to miss or mister's class and they're going to turn up and this is what's going to happen so that that there is no surprises it, it is they know that they need to um be that way when they turn up at your your lessons is that piece on consistency in it we know that children like um consistency they like to know yeah. that yeah you know, what what's what's your mood, what's your expectations going to be as they walk in. And if that changes day by day, that's really unsettling. Um, mm -hmm. you know, constant high expectations, just so powerful. Yeah. And what are the challenges that teachers do face? You know, are there sort of any specific examples that you've witnessed that you can share? I think when we think about particularly kind of early career teachers, but, but to be fair, any teachers, when the culture of the school is poor and when the school's expectations are low, then it's really hard to, to challenge that in your own individual classroom. So if you're setting the bar really, really high, but you've got a student saying, well, Mr. Such and Such doesn't make us do that, or Mrs. Such and Such doesn't make us do that, then I think that can be really difficult for an individual teacher. Um, but that doesn't mean that you lower the bar in your own classroom. No. For me, I think you've got to keep your own high um, bar high. And I think you've never got to apologise for having the highest expectations of um, students and, and young people. But I think that can be really difficult. I think similarly, um, I don't know if Andy would agree with this, but, you know, um, lots of my career has been spent in quite challenging schools. Um, when parental expectations are low, 
that can have a really big influence on young people, you know, which, you know, you hear the parent who says, well, I was never any good at maths. So, and I'd never did any homework, but I'm okay. Um, that really doesn't help. And I think schools need to work really hard on expectations with parents so that actually it's a shared message that students hear. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't know, kind of, you know, again, it's not enough to just have high expectations. I think for early career teachers, they need really good training um, on what high expectations look like. Um, so for SEND students, you know, what might that look like um, for them? And they also need policies to back it up, for example, with behaviour. Um, Andy, I don't know what what you think with that. Yeah, I, I think it's um, a really good point because as much as saying high expectations are important, it's potentially quite demotivating um, to a student that's got a barrier to learning if we just say, well, you know, you should be able to achieve this. I want you to achieve this. Actually, without the right scaffolding, the right support, the right understanding of um, the SEND issue or the literacy issue or whatever it is that's um, stopping that student making progress. If as a teacher, we don't understand that and do something about it, just having high expectations alone isn't enough. So that's where, you know, maintain the high expectations. But obviously we need the training, the support, the CPD programme to develop our specialist knowledge of how to get students to achieve those high expectations. Yeah. It's that policy into practice idea as well, isn't it? And I think for me, um, where the school's policies really support that, again, it's much easier um, to insist. But I'd also say if there are any parents out there listening to this, <laughs> you know, never, ever underestimate the level of influence you have on your children. And if you can be a really positive influence in terms of your expectations, um, it will make all the difference. Yeah, absolutely. And being a parent myself, I know how important it is. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Do you have sort of one top tip to share with early career teachers around uh, around um, expectations? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, it can seem like you, you're the bad guy in the room if you've got the really high expectations, students are struggling, but I would say never apologise for expecting um, the very best from your students, for having the highest expectations of them, because ultimately what you're trying to do will support them in the long run, even if it seems tough at the time. So I'd never apologise for that and um, really know your policies really well in school and follow the policies. So whether that's the behaviour policy, the lesson planning policy, the homework policy, Make sure how you're operating is in line with that framework um, and don't kind of deviate from it because we know that consistency classroom to classroom is so important. Um, and as long as you're following the policies, then you should have the backing from your heads of department, senior leaders. Um, so I'd say they'll be my two. Never apologise high expectations. Know your policies really well and follow them. And Helen, do you have any key takeaways from our conversation today? Yeah, I mean, I, I love that idea of never apologise for expecting the, the very best from students. And I would encourage teachers to say that to, to young people, you know, because I think it, it shows that we want the best for them. I think it, it's really interesting. What we don't want in schools is a culture of mediocrity. Um, 
or, you know, dare I say it even worse, a conspiracy of mediocrity where we start thinking that mediocre is good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're an early career teacher, if you have a challenging class, um, it could be easy to lower expectations, to take the path of least resistance, to work to the lowest common denominator. But if you do that, it will be worse in the long run. That doesn't make things better. I think as an early career teacher, you've got to really persist and insist with your expectations. And, you know, you've always got to make sure that you follow things up. The minute that you don't, students will just grab hold of that and and they'll run with it. So if you say that, you know, there's going to be a consequence or you want their best work, then you've got to insist on their best work or you've got to follow through with the consequence and that following up and following through, I think, gives you credibility with students. I think it also shows that you're really um, dependable, that what you say will happen. Mm-hmm. So that would be probably my t- key takeaway, you know, keep the expectation high, even when it's really hard. Yeah. And, uh, and the, there is consequences as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. And And don't forget, you can always go to your mentor. If you are struggling to understand or establish your own set of uh, consequences and expectations, then um, the mentor, your mentor should be able to help you. And we covered that sort of uh, started those conversations in the previous podcast. Thank you so much for uh, Helen and Andy joining us today. In our next podcast, we'll be unpacking and discussing uh, cognitive science and what does it tell us about how students learn? It's only in the last few years that many educational researchers have really engaged with cognitive science, but it's now become very clear that an understanding of the brain and how learning happens is essential for teachers and and early career teachers. So next week, we're going to look at what cognitive science tells us about long term memory and how we can maximise the information students can store and retrieve from it. You can pick up our After the Bell podcasts, which are released on a weekly basis and provide quick tips and discussions with our experts around all things educational. You can listen to them on your daily commutes, on your treadmill or when you're sitting down and having a coffee at the end of the day or something stronger. This has been After the Bell. Thank you for joining us today.